Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey guys, this is Sheena Shea from Vanderpump Rules, and I want to invite you to the party I'm throwing every week, my new podcast, Shenanigans. I'm going to be getting into some crazy conversations with friends like my first guest, Ariana Maddox. We're cranking it up to 11, playing games, telling juicy stories, and holding nothing back as we get into some Sheena-level nanigans. That's why it's called Shenanigans, duh. So download new episodes every Tuesday starting March 6th on the Podcast One app at podcastone.com. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Get those support those uh, swinging sounds. Don't forget them. Volume one, two, and three. Check out uh, at the at doctor.com. You can also support the pond so we can keep doing this thing. We appreciate keep winning the sales of the Corolla Pirate Ship. And uh, again, at doctor.com, we have our YouTube page now. We have Facebook. Please like that and uh, sign up at the contact list at doctor.com. And we will take your questions for all the various podcasts we try to do. Uh, check out the one with Bob Forrest, the uh, This Life. We've also got a new one with Mike Catherwood called Swole Patrol, which is sort of a health and fitness thing. It's kind of inspired me a little bit to be more <laughs> engaged with my workouts and things. Um, and we are slowly putting forth uh, week by week the ultimate story of the opioids and opiates, how we got here, how we got into this mess. And uh, we take it all the way from prehistory. All the way to the present. And it's not what you think it is. It's, it's not the way it went down. Uh, let's go ahead and take some calls. This is uh, Brandon. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I uh, actually called here almost exactly one year ago mm. uh, uh, about the issues I was having with my wife. And at the time, I ended up, I left her for like five months, did what the therapist said. She had a dramatic change. Went back to her. Now we're back ground zero. Remind us Same again what, what what it was. Yeah, she is clinically depressed mm-hmm. and does nothing except play video games. And, and what she was have a, what was the dramatic change you saw, and how did that get instituted? It got instituted because I left. So she did, I, it, her, she did her, it herself? She just got her crap together? Well, she consistently went to the therapist. She did ah. what the therapist told her to do. Okay. Um, she took the medication. Ah. We've, we've been to, uh, what is the uh, is it psychiatrist that can write prescriptions? Yep. Okay, so we had one of the best psychiatrists in the city and uh, just cleaned herself up, kept her the house clean, was happy to see me, attitude change. Everything. She stopped her it was meds. Great. Stopped the meds. Um, I don't know if she, she. I think she went in and off, but I don't think that she stopped the meds, and that was what made the change. What made the change? She just. I moved back, and I'm a very self-sufficient person. Uh, if it needs to be done, I'm going to do it. And she literally doesn't do basic life stuff: laundry, fold the laundry. Dishes, cooking. I do all the cooking. I, everything I've just mentioned, I pretty much do. Did you did you immediately take all those things on, or was she doing it for a while by her, with you? Uh, she's barely ever done it with me. So even her in her improved state, she still wasn't doing any of those things. It, well, in her improved state for that brief five to six months, she did do those things. She did 
feed herself and do the dishes and do her laundry. Yeah, but then as soon as you moved in, that stopped? Eh, pretty quick. Like a month, maybe. It a month? Slowly petered off. All right. So how do we know that this did... So she's able to do it while you're there. It's not like she wouldn't do it. The question is, how do we know that it wasn't just that she stopped her medication and stopped doing treatment? I mean, that's what it sounds like. She had a relapse. Well, she's back on her medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not going to the therapist well, that needs or to any therapist Why don't because we do- she doesn't like the one that we had. I've got excellent insurance. We can go to almost we can do any therapist, any psychiatrist. Why don't we get back whatever. with the one that was having the positive results? She doesn't like her anymore. Okay. Does she know? Is she, are you, is she drinking or doing drugs? Um, we do drink, but not heavily. Uh, she has done some drugs, but not more, you know, very, very recreational, you know, at a party Is type situation. Drinking every day? No. Okay. I, I, I am. <laughs> yeah. This, this, I don't like my therapist. It's sort of a ridiculous. I, you know, just go take your medicine. Go, go see the therapist and do what she tells you to do. If she had a positive result before, <laughs> excuse me, let's get her back involved again. That's all. Period. Or you're if, going to leave. I mean, make it very simple. I can't live well, like this. No, I'm I'm a slave. She's running me into the poorhouse. Like if I, I'm pretty much decided. I'm I'm just I'm like ninety percent there. I'm gonna like file the taxes. Hopefully, I can pay off some of this stupid debt, and then I can move out. But I can only afford to like, and I and this is what's killing me. I'm thirty seven. I have a very good job, and I'm gonna have to like move into my parents' RV for like three months until my buddy rents a place and I can at least room with him. If she is not doing anything, how is she becoming such a financial drain? She, uh, her job was very stressful to her and she was on disability for six months so full pay for six months and then partial pay for like four months and then no pay. And she kept saying, I'm going to go back to it, but I could see how much stress it was causing her. And I was like, look, just quit that job and do something else because it's driving you crazy. And, and it, plus she wasn't ever going to go back to it. And I thought if she quit that job, then they would have some relief and she could go do something she liked. No, she has not applied. She has not gone out. Even just a simple retail gig, she doesn't want to give up her car. So all she was able to do was she liquidated her 401k and she liquidated her stocks. And she's like, oh, this is the money I'm going to float on to pay for my my car so I don't have to get rid of my nice car. And meanwhile, I'm over here paying for everything. I see. All right. So is there a question? I guess just the confirmation uh, that basically I don't want to seem like I haven't done my due diligence. I don't want to seem like I haven't tried, but I just feel like she seems much happier without me. She seems like she can get her shit together if I'm not there. But if I'm there, I'm her crutch because I will go to the grocery store and I will make dinner. Again, do not mistake her falling dependent on you with a relapse and this severe depression. That You didn't cause the depression relapse, and your, her dependency issues are separate, I suspect, from this depression. I don't know why she stopped treatment and all this. I, that That's kind of bizarre. But there's something about you coming in that caused her to stop treatment, caused a relapse that included these dependent behaviors, but they're two separate things. Her family tends to bail her out. Uh, she's never really had a lot of financial struggle. So. Right. Well, you're 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 had an asshole. It sounds like. I mean, you're, you're entitled to do whatever. No, there kids involved. No, okay. no children. Right, so I would uh, not even not with her. That would be like 
triple one for me. All right. So you've sort of made your mind up. Uh, I'm glad I could be of help by just sitting and listening to you. But uh, it sounds like you're you're where you want to be with that. That's entirely up to you. That is your very, very personal decision. Uh, Ryan, what's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, taking the call. You bet. So I've got a uh, 40-year-old. 40-year-old. I'm 40 years old. My father is in his mid-70s. Uh, he's an alcoholic. Uh-huh. To him as a family. He what? Asked him. We've talked to him as a family. Yeah. So my my mother, my brother, and I talked to him about wanting him to stop. And mm-hmm. The effect it's had on our family, and it, we're, I'm just, I wanted to get your advice on what I could do as a son. I'm, I'm obviously not living in the house anymore with them, um, so I'm not around it all day, every day. But you know, I want to support my mom, who had to make a pretty difficult decision to confront him on it but at the same time he's my dad and i want to help him through it how much how much is he drinking uh, the average day um he was putting down a few three or four good highballs from what we from what i understand is he planning to stop he told us he is have you talked to his about have you talked to his doctor so he had a stroke Mm -hmm. and the doctor told him he needs to stop drinking and smoking. Uh, is he still so, is he still smoking? Yes. That that's actually well, be fair. It's a more serious issue. He pretends like he doesn't smoke, but I have my suspicions. Uh, you know, for for a seventy five year old that's had a stroke and sort of set in his ways, it is very difficult to use the kind of traditional measures of treatment. In other words, he's not going to go to meetings. He the cigarette issue is going to be very difficult to control. You end up just sort of policing them a lot of the time. And there are pharmacological therapies that might be of help for him. There's things for the nicotine. There's things for the alcohol that, that might help him. I'm not saying they necessarily will, but there's things that you know you might do in a 70-year-old to try to help him out so that they're more likely to be successful or at least more likely to cut down. His cigarettes, if he's already had a stroke, I mean, that is serious business. Oh yeah, and he's been smoking since he was a teenager. Well, I mean, he can uh, get, are you on, talking like- get on the even the cigarette, you can get on the gum, the you know the patches, the lozenges, or there's medication as well, like you know things that can be taken to reduce the craving. At thirty percent of the time, it really works. Hmm. And same thing with alcohol, because yeah, you know you can take there's Vivitrol injections for alcohol. There's you can't proceed for there's a bunch of different things for both conditions: nicotine addiction and alcoholism. Now, that's not how you. That's an ideal way to approach it. If he, if he would go see somebody, they could do CBT therapy, that kind of thing. But I doubt he'd be willing to go. Your mom, you should yeah. take you should take her to Al-Anon. You and she, she does. She's okay. been going right, good. for a long time. All right, great. Uh, she's a rock star. Okay, um, I have gone to Al-Anon on occasion. I haven't <laughs> gone as frequently as I should be, and I and I understand you know the importance of. Keeping a regular all right, pattern but, but you, like, you, you've um, been exposed to it. That's the important thing. You, you understand what it's mm-hmm. all about. You've got the support there if you need it. And uh, is he his stroke? Has it left him immobile? No, he's, yeah. he's recovered from it uh, yeah. with a lot of conditions. You know, get get healthier kind of uh, yeah. directions from uh, the doctor. Uh, really, I mean, uh, there there are ways to help. Their experts can really help somebody like this. Uh, pharmacologically and and behaviorally, if he if he's willing to get some CBT, what CBT? Sorry, it's a cognitive behavioral therapy. 
Oh, BT, CBT, CBT, okay. or or twelve step. I mean, if he's willing to go to meetings, I mean, I, I always feel it. I always feel so um, disappointed that people in their seventies don't go. To, you know, some of these old old salty guys make great recovering guys. They're so much happier when they get involved with the community and things. It's just hard to get them to do it. It's very very hard. Yep. Yeah, we've tried with the. He, he tells us he, he's going to the VA, um, but he's also made comments like, you know, these things don't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, the, the one-year recovery chips don't mean anything because everybody he knows that has one slipped up in the course of that year. And, uh, you know, we told him, well, you know, it would mean something to us or it means something to your grandkids. Uh, yeah. we, we try to use the grandkids more. As Good. A, as a, Good. I like that. As a carrot. Use whatever uh, leverage you got. But is the is the doctor you're talking about, is he a VA doctor? Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't know if VA has access. To, some of these medicines are kind of expensive. So they may not have access to the full range of things that are available, but I still would talk to him or her about about what pharmacological therapies might assist, might help with all of this. Uh, let's keep going here. Thank you, Ryan. Good good job going to the Al-Anon. That's the key thing for you. Uh, let's see, Shane. What's up, Shane? Hey, how are you? Good. Good. What's up? So thanks for taking my call. Just wanted to. Um, so my anxiety just goes. Like, I just can't seem to control it sometimes to where I just feel help, hopeless, helpless, all that good stuff. That sounds like depression. Hopelessness and helplessness, That's how does that equate with anxiety in your mind? Well, I'm only 26, so I'm not too good. I don't know. I just know that, like, I just get so, like... You know, like whenever your emotions just are so high and you can't seem to calm them down so you can focus. Your emotions. That's what I give, give me a little more. What do you mean by your emotions? So, so whenever I'm doing stuff, I feel like I'm never going to reach the end of a deadline. I'm never going to complete a task. I'm never going to be able to focus on one thing and one thing only. And then it. I, I guess I do. I get depressed after that. And do, you, then, do you feel overwhelmed? Very much overwhelmed. So overwhelmed and depressed. All right. And is something going on in your life? Do you have? I mean, it seems like if anything else, getting balance in your life might reduce some of these symptoms. No. Well, you know, I mean, I, I did grow up in the best childhood, but what I, happened? Well, like we were removed from CP. We were put in foster care. Why? Brothers. Why? Um, my dad drug addict and alcoholic. Okay. Did he beat you guys? Yes. And was there some um, verbally? Okay. Physically. So, all right. So please. physical abuse, emotional abuse. Was there sexual abuse too? Um, from an uncle, yes. All right. So you have everything of the trifecta, right? So that needs treatment. That needs treatment. So what you end up after that kind of trauma is w- with some of what – essentially what you're describing, which is what I like to think of as emotional dysregulation. Emotions are out of control, too prolonged, too intense, and too negative, and you can't mm-hmm. regulate them. And normally, we build a regulatory system in relation to other people. But when you've tr- been traumatized, you won't get close to the people, close enough to help build that regulatory system. You don't trust them. You don't, everything about the frame of closeness brings threat because that's what t- happens with trauma survivors. So you really need to go see a therapist that has experience treating childhood trauma. You up for that? I 100%. All right. That, don't, don't worry about the specific symptoms right now. It's the, it's the adverse childhood experiences, the trauma that really needs to be addressed. 
Hey, I want to tell you about Falling with Wings by Diana De La Garza. It's a mother's story. Before she was mother to global superstar Demi Lovato, Diana De La Garza was just Diana Hart. And Diana tells her story from the very beginning in this complete and affecting memoir. It's relatable. It's about overcoming challenges. A former Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, an inspiring country music star, and a perfectionist who wrestled with her body image, she also coped with problematic husband and her own story of addiction. It's an important story. Listen to it. Read it. It's a mother who is there for it all. It's an inspiring read. Tremendous strength, love, and faith. Diana's story offers a unique perspective and encourages families everywhere to keep on believing. And when you have a relatable source, you have somebody who's been through it and gets on the other side of it, it's important to understand it. It's important to experience it. Even if you don't have these struggles, you learn about the human experience. And if you do, I encourage you to read because the more you know about this condition, the more likely you are to have success. You'll see your story in hers. Again, start reading now. Available anywhere books are sold. Our friends at Blinds Galore, everybody. Friends and family sale starts this week. Everything up to 50% off. It's one of their biggest sales of the year. It will not last forever. So hurry over to BlindsGalore.com to get those windows covered. You know these guys. The first place to buy custom window treatments online. And they have been They're exactly what they say they are. They will help you through every step of the process. They have experts there. They will send you samples. They want to be sure you get the 100% custom hand-built from scratch, created your precise specifications just for you. They want to make sure you get them. You get that professional designer, quality coverings, no fancy designer prices, though, and it's all online. Blinds Galore will even set you up with free samples, as I said, and free shipping on top of all the free expertise. Don't miss it. And do it now because it's the friends and family sale. It starts this week. Everything up to 50% off. Let Blinds Galore get you the custom window treatments you've always wanted. Their big friends and family sale starts this week where you can get up to 50% off your order. So check out BlindsGalore.com today and let them know I sent you. Dr. Drew, that is BlindsGalore.com. Thank you, Shane. Let's uh, keep going here. This is uh, Tony. What's up, Tony? Hey, Drew. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. You betcha. Hey, um, question for you. I got a buddy that I've been, I, I know he's been in and out of, of said issues with opiates for probably the last 10 years. And we had maybe a falling out maybe like eight or nine years ago. And it was, it was a really hard thing at that point. I kind of cut him out of my life. Then we kind of came back together. And he actually moved from Arizona back to where I was living in Michigan. Um, long story short, I had a rental property. He was going through a divorce. He moved into my place. Uh-oh. And just recently, within the last couple... Exactly, I know. It's a bad call. Um, just in the last couple of months, I had to evict him, move him out. He lost his job. And I'm kind of struggling with the guilt of like being somewhat selfish, but also just, you know, I have, I've had the conversations. I've talked to you a few times about this, actually. I've called into your show. And uh, at that time, you told me to call his doctor and yeah. basically get him limited off of yeah. opioids yeah. and and amphetamines. And I'm to that point where... Amphetamines, Jesus. What the hell's going on? It's terrible. Yeah, it was a bad deal, man. And I, 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 don't, I don't know because I'm living in California now. I live in San Francisco. I'm just traveling up in Portland right now. And it, it's tough for me to gauge what's happening. But when I go back and I see how he's living and what his life is like, I, I struggle because, you know, the money's one thing. But at the same point now, I just want him to be healthy. And I've said that to him many times. I'm like, how do, how do I get you back on track? And he just recently moved out in the last month, and he left the place an absolute disaster. And, you know, he's behind rent. It cost me thousands of dollars. And 
whatever. It's not the money, but at the same point in time, it is kind of the money. So what what do you do when you get to this point where you've given them one, two, three strikes? Out. You come you're, back you're, to it in a few years? No, you, you, you either, you have really kind of two choices. Well, you can come back to it in a few years, but you have two choices really, which is to be part of the solution, which means you actively go to Al-Anon and you do your own treatment and you try to get him engaged in some meaningful way. Or you say, look, I can't sit here and see you die and, and squander your life like this. I, I'm out. I'm out. Go Either go get treatment, in which case I'll support your recovery fully, or I'm out. So it's, it's just think of it in terms of you, you're, you're not engaged when there's disease. You support the recovery. You're there for him fully if he gets well. If he doesn't, you can't be around to see this. And loss, loss gets their attention sometimes. You see you're doing – you may be doing him a good, a good turn. That sometimes gets through to them. Yes. All right? Brutal to see, but you, hey, you, you, might, you, you might. You the other day. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. The other day. No, go ahead. I see. You might. No, get, you, you were talking. <laughs> you first. You first, because Mike Wade, go. You were mentioning San Francisco and how how you said it's kind of like a smug city. Yeah, and I've sm- lived there for sm- like two years, and alert. I didn't understand it. Yeah. Until yeah, until you said it, you hit it on the head so clearly. And I've lived there, and I'm a Midwest guy, and I've lived there for a couple of years, and I've never been able to put my finger on something that's going on there. But, Isn't it weird? Yeah, I, 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 was walking, city, I, was, I was walking around going, why do I feel so uncomfortable? It was so weird. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I, then I thought, oh, I'm feeling judged by these people. people. And then I remembered the Smug Alert South Park episode about San, about San Francisco, and I went, oh. I got to yeah. watch that one. It was oh, hilarious. They, hilarious they, when you said it, and it just – Everything was so clear. Yeah, so. it really it came clear for me too when I, when I thought of it. I thought, oh yeah, there it is, man. And 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 I don't have disdain for anybody. There are lots of nice people there, but it's weird. It's a weird tone, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's very peculiar. And being <laughs> like in your forties and dating, it's a very oh boy, an <laughs> uphill battle. I'll tell you that. So, <laughs> anyways, well, listen, pr- hey, appreciate all you so, do, man. So let me let me yeah. say what I was going to say, which is, you if you have other buddies that are ready to sort of say, hey, we're out, that they're thinking like you are. Doing it all at once, uh, and also having a you know an option for treatment that you want to recommend to him, that could be very powerful. Yeah, right. you know it's it's tough because we all live all over the country, and and I brought it up a few times, and it's always no, we're not going to do that. They don't, they don't feel it like I feel it. Like right. I'm his best friend, or I was his best friend. So, anyways, all right. Hey, man, appreciate right. it. Love what good you good. do. All right, good luck, man. Yeah, this is uh, Duncan. Duncan, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Drew? Thanks for taking the call. Well, good, thanks. Uh, real quick, I listened to you and Adam for the majority of my life, and I really appreciate uh, what you guys have been doing all these years. Where, in, Ma- where in Mass are you? Uh, I'm actually as far west in Massachusetts as you can go, out uh, near Albany, actually. Uh, so northwest? Uh, yeah, a little bit, out, out in the Berkshires. Oh, so, it's like, like uh, green, what, what's the name of that? Okay, anyway. uh, Pittsfield, Lenox. Pittsfield, City, Pittsfield, that's what I was thinking, Pittsfield. Yep, that's... Uh, that's where I ended up, so. Nice. There you go. Um, a little bit uh, lighter question. Uh, just popping your joints and popping your fingers and cracking it do any long-term damage, or is it just sort of you know, nothing? Not, I've not really noticed there's any major issue with that. I, I know people worry about it. It's probably not good for your joints, but it's not what I'd call bad. And when, once you okay. start it, it's really it's all soft tissue. It's all sort of. They think it's air in the tendons and ligaments and things, and it's and it you know why that would be bad? It, no, no good reason really. I, I, not as though I see destructive arthritis from that. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank All you right, so much. Buddy. Take care. You bet. Bye. Uh, let's see. This is uh, Janine. What's up, Janine? Hi. Hey now. I just think I got 
played on Twitter. Why? What happened? <laughs> well, I've never been on Twitter before. I'm 65. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of Eminem, of course. And so I thought I would get... Go ahead. Huh? Nothing. Keep going. Uh, anyway, um, well, I, I was a huge fan because I tripped the um, CD away from my 10-year-old son. I'm, he's 30 now, and so I took it away from him, and then when the, the kids were asleep, me and my friends listened to it. I went, wow, that's cool. <laughs> and um, anyway, I liked his songs. Nice. And, um so I was on there, and someone messaged me from Shady Records, Inc. And I looked it up, and it seemed like a legitimate site. And so, you know, I talked to the person, and at first it was okay, just talking, shooting the shit. He never said he was Marshall. He never said nothing. And I never even thought that it was. And then he started saying, like, all this stuff about relationships and do you love me? And I went, no, I don't even know you. Oh, yeah. Who are you? And, you know, everything was good until he asked me, or he told me I needed $300 to be on his fans page. Wow. And that I should, I should email Paul, um, oh, what's his name? Rosberg or... Whatever. I have it down there. Rosemary. Yeah. And 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 I got an email back saying that I need to send them three hundred dollars so I could be a fan of Marshall Mathers. And so this guy is still emailing me on um Hangouts, which I looked at it. I'd never been on it before, but I looked at it and I noticed my son was on it. I have two sons, one's thirty and the other's thirty two. So you know, I'm. I just was like playing along, seeing what this guy was doing. You need to. You, it, you need to understand the internet is a dangerous place. What? The internet is a dangerous place. Well, yeah, I guess I'm realizing that. I've never really been involved in this kind of stuff before. I mean, I don't have any money, of course. I don't. I'm a. They're, you know, they're, they're looking woman for. With, they're looking for sex, and they're looking for money. If you're getting if you're getting uh, manipulated online, and you've got to be very very careful. Uh, but how? I mean, I guess they don't read what you write because whoever was on there. Because I was laughing about it, I said, "You're not Marshall Mathers. Come on." I said, "If you want to talk to me and have a conversation, okay." But. You know, the money didn't come up until a couple of days, and then it was it was a small amount. It was $300 to have a fan card so I could meet him. Yeah. <laughs> went, Hold on there. Gary, you got, you got a position on this? Can I ask a question? Yeah. In your Twitter bio, does it say something about being an Eminem fan? No. It says... I'm just a uh, 65-year-old woman living in an apartment, uh, living by the beach, trying to figure things out, right. something like that. In, That's your Twitter, what in your Twitter feed, you make comments about Eminem. Yes, yeah. Okay, so that's what he's – so he, he knew you're a good target. Take all that bio stuff off. 
Yeah, don't to, put your age in your bio. Don't yeah. put any identifying stuff about yourself in your bio because he saw you were tweeting about Eminem. He saw your age and he knew you were a good target. It, it literally is like if you were – I mean they're just horrible people out there. It's and, like yeah. the reason you don't put your five-year-old in a shirt that exactly. says Johnny. Exactly, and, and send him into the park by himself. Right. No, you don't do that. Oh. You got it. You got to really protect yourself. Be careful. Okay. All I right. know it's hard to I believe. I didn't really know that you know someone would try to take me for. They I thought will, you know they, they wanted like old ladies with a lot of money or well, something. Why that. would they want to take three hundred dollars? They'll from get anything they can get, and it, and some of these people are in Croatia, and some of them are in. Um, also, $300 because I looked up the site, yeah. Shady Records Inc. Yeah, it but if he, can, like if, he can get, if he can get three hundred dollars twice a day, he's got a great business going on. Just a couple hours. How do they get on these legitimate sites, though? I, I, I promise you, it's it not, not hard to fake a Twitter profile and yeah. make it look professional. Yeah, it's not all hard at all. It's all faked up. All right, my dear. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. Let's talk to uh, Dave. Dave, what's up? Hey, Doctor Drew. Hey, man. Great to talk to you. You bet. Uh, yeah, so I uh, found a, a lump or a, a mass on my testicle about six months ago. Yeah. Yes, yesterday, when I was uh, given an order for a, a sonogram, and yeah. I, I went to it yesterday, and the, the radiologist said the initial diagnosis was a, a epidural cyst, which, of course, Doctor Google says is no big deal. Yeah. Wait, you um, said, wait, it's oh, uh, epidermoid cyst. Uh, epi- no, uh, at the head of the epididymis. Epididymal cyst. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, those are nothing. Yes. Those are nothing. Okay. Um, okay. Well, that's that's good to know. But if one question I did have is that the one treatment that they talked about is if it gets painful or yeah, gro- grossly embarrassing. That yeah. You can have it. You can have it removed. Yep. That's and true. I was just curious. I was just curious what that would entail. Uh, they might be able, I don't know whether they could do that as an outpatient or not. They might be able to, but it's a surgery, probably in a surgery center and you're probably out for a little while. Um, but you know, all the, all the cysts in the testes and the epididymis are, they're usually filled with sperm, fluid, blood. That's about it. And, and they just, they're usually nothing. They, obviously you get the ultrasound to make sure it's not cancer, which is a much more serious thing. And that's totally different. Cyst. Just means a walled, fluid-filled body. That's it, and they are benign, vast, vast, vast majority of the time. And certainly, in the testes are always benign. Uh, Charlie, what's up there? Hey, Doctor Drew. Um, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, so uh, earlier today, my middle school had a shooting. Um, oh, no. I'm calling from Arizona, but I was in Ohio, Maslin, Ohio. Yeah. And um, this one hits, hits close to home because my brother and sister still go there. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, so they're okay. But, is like, this, last night I was in a movie theater. What's that? Is this the one where the kid committed suicide? I don't know that. I just heard that he shot himself. Right. I don't know if he's dead. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, it was an attempted suicide. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's it. Okay. So it's not really um, a school. It's not a school shooting in the sense we think of it as a school shooting. It's a suicide. Right, right. I think they still count it in the in the stats, right? Uh, they the in the erroneous in the sort of fake news stats, yes. But in, <laughs> right, yes. Right. Um, but anyway, so if, if I remember right, this guy was like a thirty year old too. He wasn't even like a a student. Is that Gary? Mm, I'm looking at a story that a seventh grader did it. Seventh grader did it himself. Yeah, yeah walked oh. into a bat, brought a gun to school, walked into a oh, bathroom, and shot himself in the I, head, and does not 
this does not indicate that he's dead. Yeah. He's at a medical center. All right. So adolescent males, when they have access to a gun and are feeling suicidal, are deadly. They, they will complete it. So that's, that's right. disastrous. And they don't typically do it at school. They'll, they will, though. It happens. Um, but, yeah, I was just like, it's just weird because last night I went to the movie theater and Unfortunately, the thought goes in my goes through my head: What if there's a shooting in here? Um, I, I, why, but, don't be. Un, why is it unfortunate? I mean, the world we live in. You figure everything I've learned from all the survival guys is that's the smart yeah. thought. Look for the exits. Right. Know where you're going to go. Get lo- you know <laughs> they know exactly what you're going to do. Carry some. You know, I left a movie theater uh, about nine months ago because somebody did something I was not comfortable with, and I went out. I, I had a few people with me. We all left, and I went straight to the manager and told them instantaneously out of a door that I hadn't even noticed before out came a dude in full tactical gear. They have them there. Wow. I mean, this guy, and this guy was not messing around. I didn't have an assault rifle or anything, but he had a pistol and they sent him straight into that theater. I didn't go back in. What? We don't know what happened. What was it? The guy, you know, somebody came in uh, to the theater and screamed like three or four times and then, and then walked out. Uh. And I was not going to wait around to see if that person came back. No, it just, it was, it was like 12 at night. It was a late movie and it just, I just didn't like it. I looked at the people with me, and they all kind of had a weird look on our face. And I was like, "Okay, if you felt the same way, we're out." And we just we bailed. Midnight. We want rocket or picture show. No, it was like it was like a 10 p.m. movie, and there was like 30 minutes left in it. It was the very end. So yeah, it's it's it's, I'm I'm learning it's smart and to you know keep things on you where you can quickly you know because when you get anxious, you lose your small motor fine motor coordination. So. If you want to be able I do to agree with the caller that it is unfortunate that we have to think it's about a, it's unf- it is, but, but it has been that way for reality. a long time. It's this, reality. Yeah, this is the reality to. we've been for quite some time now. It's you're not taking your personal safety seriously if you're not thinking about those things. Yeah, I'm afraid so. It's 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 a you, listen. The bigger issue, if you want to get it, get it the solution. Let's talk about the spiritual bankruptcy in our country. I'm happy to talk about that. Finally, people are. I've got some a few sort of sympathetic ears to that. Uh, and I don't know, Corolla will go back to ed- education and family, but even beneath that, if we're going to want to have a family and want to be educated, we have to have some meaning. And that's a big problem, man. It is. It, we are yeah, yeah. bankrupt. We are bankrupt. Yeah, that's what I was calling you. I, I, wanted, I wanted to know if you think this is a – what's the source of this problem? Do you think – because it's more and more frequent now. Do you think it's like narcissistic – it, 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 we went through a, we went through an epidemic of childhood trauma, adverse childhood experiences, right? And, and we're still on the tail end of that. When people, you know, that that happened in the '60s, '70s, '80s, and a little bit in the '90s, and those people are all adults now, and that's a group that, of high risk of all kinds of psychiatric problems and, and and personality issues, including narcissism. And we have access to gun, and we have aggression. We have envy going wild in our country, and envy is a common expression of narcissism. The narcissists have envy. If they somebody has something they want, they don't just or get jealous of them. They want to knock them down, take them off their pedestal, and bring them down to where they are, and then get what they had. So, it, but what's more important to a narcissist is bringing people down to size. And when I used to think about this when I was writing that book on narcissism, I thought, you know. This feels like pre-revolutionary France, and eventually the guillotines are going to come out. And you know the the uh, Me Too the Me Too movement, as much as I support and as appropriate as it is, the you know ruining people's careers with allegations with no anything, just just I'm going to ruin you just because. That's a guillotine. That's a guillotine. Yeah. You know, ruining people's livelihood is the next. You, that's as close as you can get to the next step, which is actual well, ending their lives. So we're 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 in it. We're into something bad, and we got to find our way out. And, and it's at its core, 
destroyed families, impoverished relationships, lack of appropriate understanding that you know being a, a producer and not a consumer is a more satisfying thing and being of service to other people is more satisfying than having things. And until we get that back on track, uh, it, it's going to be a, a wild ride. Right. So there needs to be a complete shift. Values. We have to be willing to talk about it. We have to be willing to adri- right. admit it, that there's a problem. Uh, it, it could shift back fast if we just admit it. If we just admit we need right. to we need to pay attention and maybe grandma wasn't so stupid and maybe the you know some of the things that we've disdained for the last 50 years maybe have some redeeming qualities that we need to rely on for a little while. So right. you know this you know, the whole anti-authority and anti-expert and all that is all symptomatic of all this and we, we have to we have to we have to address it. We have to get back back uh into what's purposeful and meaningful in life. Okay? Do you think that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do I think the, do I think the what? Do you think that uh, social media has a big influence on it as I, well? I, I think it's given the environment for people to act out. It's just it's just sort of yeah. amplified the negativity. It's an opportunity for envy to become action and mob activity. You know, as I was thinking about pre-revolutionary France, you know, that was there was a lot of mob behavior then too, and so I think it must be the case that when people are you know a large population is injured with personality issues, the mob starts developing. And then the but mob wants blood. Do you think the mob that the wants to act out envy? Do you think that I I, I want to just double down on his question about social media? Yeah. I think back. You know, I've lived half my life without social media and yeah. half with. Yeah. And kids are fucking assholes. So I mean, <laughs> when there is no, you and I got to go home from middle school. Yeah. When somebody was being a dick, and we had a few hours where they couldn't save showing up at the house or having your phone number, they couldn't continue to abuse you. We don't know yet the full influence of all that. Yeah. You know, the Lisa Stroman, has she ever been on this? Yeah, yeah. she's been on Dark. Yeah, she, she does the uh, Digital Citizen Academy, and uh, she spends her life worrying about that population and the impact of social media. And she is extremely worried. Extremely. You can listen to her on episode 169, and uh, that's at podcast1.com slash premium if you're not already there a subscriber. Go. All right, Charlie, I'm going to move on. I thank you for your talk about this. It's, it's Go out there and chat it up, man. we got to all be talking about it. Okay? All right. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. It. Excited to welcome our friends at Bergamot back to the program. It's a brand that made an impact on me. I checked them out when they came to us last year, and they've got a variety of supplements that use the extract of the Bergamot citrus fruit. These supplements act as a natural statin. It may improve a number of cardiovascular conditions as well as the general problem known as the metabolic syndrome. That's high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, insulin resistance. Bergamot seems to be very effective here. And now the makers bring you a formulation called Bergamot Sport. It provides all the same cardiovascular benefits but with additional additives designed to aid athletes and those with very active lifestyles. Bergamot Sport may help improve stamina as well as reduce recovery time for muscles and from inflammation. In an ongoing study, professional soccer players were asked to use Bergamet Sport, and the documented improvements in performance are impressive. I've used the products myself. My wife used them regularly. One of the Bergamet products has been shown to be very useful for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, an increasingly important condition. Physicians and cardiologists around the world have used it as well. And for a limited time, our listeners will save 10% on their order by entering the code Dr. Drew at checkout. That's D-R-D-R-E-W, all one word. To try Bergamet Smart for yourself, visit bergamet.com. That's B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com. Just click on the Bergamet banner at drdrew.com. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. A lot of times that is not the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they are not available. Now with TrueCar, of course I'm talking about TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. 
This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Yeah, you know, and we talk about it all the time. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar, TrueCar.com or TrueCar app will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. Over 3,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers are available nationwide. You will get to work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer that you may contact with. And TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster, better buying experience when they contact a TrueCar Certified Dealer. And on average, you can expect to save over $3,000 off MSRP. Once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. Hook up with that TrueCar certified dealer. Have a better buying experience. TrueCar, go to the TrueCar.com or TrueCar app. Do what I'm telling you. Uh, Adam, what's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, uh, long-time fan, listener. I just had a question. Uh, what do you think about uh, legalized prostitution? And if it can be something that can be beneficial to people, uh, specifically men. Well, in what sense? Like if if we're sort of containing their aggression or something? Yeah, like for me personally, um, uh, prostitution, it's going to sound kind of strange, but it's been one of the best things that's happened to me in the last, you know, 10 years. It's helped me, you know, focus on more productive things in my life instead of trying to find a relationship. You know, I started uh, partaking in prostitution with females at a time when most of my friends were only concerned with going out and getting drunk and trying to get laid. Yeah. And that I kind of, kind of consumed their whole life. And for me, by partaking in, in prostitution le- legally... Legally? Uh, how do you, how yes, do, you do legally, it? How do you do it legally? Well, I live very close to Tijuana. Oh. Uh. And it's legal in Mexico. And also other countries I've been to where it's legally... And it's, uh, they're not trafficked, and they're, they have their own will. You know, and it's allowed me to, you know, focus more and develop other aspects of my life, as far as education and, and, and getting better jobs, and not being well, so let me, worried. Let me ask this. I understand the, the, the pragmatic point you're making, but okay. do you have trouble um, appreciating other people's emotions sometimes, or even your own? No, not at all. Okay, so emotions make sense to you. You value them. You admire. You cherish them in other people. Yes, absolutely. I've, 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 it's not, it's not an addiction. I've also had relationships where I've stopped seeing prostitution. Had relationships. Yeah. Then gone back to prostitution when it's broken up. And, and why? So the, I've been and, able to have. Okay. And why did the I, no? I'm not going down the, the addiction path here. And and why did okay. the relation? Why did the relationships break up? Um. Well, one of the relationships, uh, the girl wasn't really mature enough. For me, she's about five years younger than me. I'm 35, and I just felt like uh, uh, she wasn't mature enough for me. And uh, I'm getting ready to leave, leave the country again soon. Okay. And do you, did you have any trauma growing up? No. And don't you do you ever feel bad for the women that you're uh, using for prostitution? Um, you know, so I have kind of a real relationship where I've been able to know a lot of these women for a long time, and. Uh, you know, most places they're at, there might not be the same uh, economic opportunities here in the U.S., so I feel bad in that aspect of it, but they're doing this, and it affords them a very good lifestyle. 
And and you don't ever feel like your sort of soul is diminished by this? Not really. You know, um, yeah, I, I've been able to build like some good friendships with some of these women. And it's also helped, helped me uh, educationally-wise. No, I, I understand that you've been able to focus on other things. I, I, I get pragmatically yeah. it's worked. It's just that most people won't cross that line because – First of all, they, they sort of perceive the social constraints and those keep them from doing so. And they don't want to sort of take advantage of another person. It feels like you're exploiting somebody and exchanging money to use them for sex. And that makes most people feel funny at, at, at least. Yeah, well, a lot of that is uh, with people's own personal moral compass and judgment of society. No, you're, you're using somebody for sex and you're giving them money. And that's a yeah, but 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 at the same time, you know, some of these beautiful women are exploiting their attributes as well. It's different, and if you don't see that yeah. different, that that's what I'm concerned about. So it's yeah, it's well, not. I, I I I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I I understand that aspect of it too. Yeah. And so I, I'm more I'm more worried. I'm you know all your pragmatic points and all, and then you you know are fine. But I'm worried more about the again where we were talking about earlier the the spiritual component of this, really what this does to you as a human being ex- exploiting another human being for money solely for sex, and maybe nothing, uh, but it would concern me. And the fact that you're making sort of all these intellectual arguments to protect against the really perceiving the reality of what this is. And I understand the the other women are free to choose to be, to be participate in this as well, but I've dealt a lot with women that get out of it, and they don't feel so good about themselves or men or the situation that they were in. I've never seen one come out and say, "Oh, sure, glad I did that. That was a, that was awesome." No, it's always uh, feeling diminished, exploited, depraved to some extent, and so that's all. It, it's you, know, you you may yet come to a point where you feel. I, I'm worried about everybody's spiritual health right now. So you, you got me at a weak moment to, to have that conversation. Uh, Justin, go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up? Um, well, just a quick background. I've been with my current girlfriend for 13 years and uh, been having a lot of issues lately and to the point where we're breaking up. And I basically fell out of love with her, and I want to know if you deserve a chance of that love coming back. I, I, that's not a question that I can answer in t- two minutes talking to you across across the phone. Uh, you, you try to give me a little more detail. You were together how long? Uh, Thirteen years. Um, a lot of it's uh, her mo- her mother lives with us the whole time, and she's never asked her to move out, so we don't have any privacy. And uh, you know that's been a big concern of it. And it's not like we haven't talked about it, but it's basically well, she can't move out. And uh, the last two, three years, she's just been pushing me away more and more to the point where basically I fell out of love with her. And um, Are you cheating? No. No, I'm not. Would you be willing to see a therapist? <clears throat> she wants to. I'm trying. A lot of it stems from her telling me to get the F out of her house and, you know, stuff like that. And Why, and, why uh, does she do you know, that? Wants, why does she do that? She gets mad about what? she gets mad over things at work and stuff. She's an RN and she comes home and takes it out of me. And what is it you do to and trigger that? What's your role in this? 
uh, honestly, nothing that I can figure. She just takes her anger out of me. The so she, she walks the in the door and says, get the F out of my house. No, it starts with other things. Like she'll ask me to do something, and I'll, I got so much to do with our daughter during the day that I won't get around to it at the time she wants, and she gets mad at me about it. Like what? Give me an example. <clears throat> and, Give me an example. Um, like stupid things like uh, bathing the dog or something, you know. You know, and I've just been busy getting everything else done around the house. That are, you, are, you mar- are you married to Adam Carolla? Is that that's what it sounds like me complains about? But I, I, I think if there's a child involved, you really got to double down and try to make this work out and go see a therapist. It sounds like she's willing to do it. You, you give it a chance. You give it a the shot. The hard part for me is uh, trying to get past her and all the things she said to me over the years. Well, then get get in the therapist's office and see what you can do with that. I think I think that's a very specific spot to start. Like I'm hurt and okay. and I am resentful. And this, the abuse has been going on for too long. And, she, and it's not okay for her to abuse you. She's not like she's abusive. And the abusiveness must stop. This will not survive with, with contempt and abuse. And the therapist can lay that the out point is, so it won't come from well, you. It got to the point now where um, I'm moving out in a week or two. Right. And we have a two-year-old daughter. Yeah. But um, it's gotten to that point where I, I, I'm mad because I told her, you know, it took this for you to want to change. And... You know, that's what's getting me more than anything. I, I, I understand you're angry, you're resentful, you're hurt, <clears throat> but get, get in the therapist's office on behalf of your daughter. Let's do that, okay? Maybe it can't work out, but give it a shot. All right. All right Thank buddy. you. I appreciate All it. Right, you bet. Uh, this is David. David, what's up? Hi, Dr. Drew. How are you? Good. What's happening? Um, yeah, so I have a question. I have a newborn. It's about a week old now. Um, he was born with a left and congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Oh, boy. Can, um, they repair that? Give me some information. Yeah, he went into surgery yesterday. It all went well. Good. Uh, I just want to know what, what we can expect uh, uh, during the recovery process. My underst- Oh, well, I mean, it's a major operation. Obviously, it's dangerous. But my my understanding, I'm not a pediatrician, but I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, my understanding is that usually goes very well. I mean, that, that'll be just one of those things that happen in childhood, and this baby will be, go on into life, and that's that. Oh, okay. I mean, they may All not right, want to. They um, may yeah. not want to play tackle football, but but I I, I don't. <laughs> my my understanding is that this this goes well. Is if you if you can if you can repair it, it tends to go well. Okay, I I was told um, by the doctor who operated him that he had a large, I guess, a large hole in his diaphragm. Well, that's what our, that's yeah. where the hernia the hernia goes through the diaphragm. The, the hernia just means there's a hole and tissue goes through your bowels typically. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so it's a pretty high uh, percentage rate. It sounds like it. I mean, it's just one of those things that I, I think of as being not a terrible thing. Okay. Okay. All right, All right Dr. All right. Thank you so yep. much. Yeah. Good luck. Okay. Uh, Mike, what's up there? Hey, Dr. Drew. Right. Uh, been dating this girl for about a month now, and she made it very clear that she has depression. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of curious if this is like she doesn't really like to do much. And I don't know, if this, you know what I should how to proceed with this. Well, a whole a slow up here. You've been dating her how long? Just over a month. And the the depression is making her what's called vegetative, where she can't do anything. She just sits in bed all day. Well, she basically she works and then she'll you know do something and then she'll just she'll go to bed. Yeah, basically she'll just work and then go to bed. Is she, what medications is she taking? She said she's not taking any medications right now. So, 
and has she been formally diagnosed with depression? I don't know. I haven't asked her. And is there, you know, there's a lot more information needs to go on here. I mean, if she has not been formally diagnosed, the next thing should be a medical evaluation first to make sure there's not something medically wrong, because this sounds pretty intense. Then psychiatric evaluation, then a plan, then execute the plan. I mean, you've got to get her motivated to do that at least. And if she has previously been treated and didn't like the medication or doesn't like the doctor, whatever, Fine, get back, do something else. This this is not okay. You're you're not functioning at this point. It's you know when you can't have a relationship, you can barely get through work. That, that's that's worrisome, and that's a very very usually a typically a very treatable situation. Okay. Okay. All right. And again, it has to be an should be an expert hands. Maybe she has bipolar disorder, and that's has a different treatment than unipolar depression. So it's something that really needs to be properly properly evaluated. Laura, what's up? Hi. Hey. Um. Hi. Is this Dr. Drew? Yes, ma'am. Oh, great. I'm glad I reached you. Um, So I've been dating this guy, and it's been almost three months now, and we're both super happy together, the happiest that we've ever been with anyone else before. Um, But he has a lot of jealousy issues from past trauma that, uh, you know, stem from people just being deceitful or dishonest or cheating on him. And it comes up a lot in our relationship, and we're having a hard time knowing really how to deal with it. I want to make him feel comfortable, um, but I also don't want to feel like I'm being punished for something that I haven't even done. What, what, are, these pre- what are these previous experiences? Uh-huh. Um, the previous experiences were, um, yeah, just like standard cheating stuff or give me an specific what happened okay let's see the one that i can think of that comes up sometimes is that uh he was in a relationship with a girl and she sort of suggested that she wanted to make it a little more open she didn't want to actually go ahead and do anything but she just didn't want the label and then shortly thereafter she had a threesome with someone that he wasn't comfortable with and wasn't discussed anyway so he just felt like lied to so so that's bizarre. He set himself up for this. He agreed to do it. He did it, and then he blamed her. That's not a trauma. Yeah, that, that's also not cheating. Oh, no. It's also not cheating. No, he, he didn't cheat. Um, he was with someone that did that she, to him. She didn't cheat. He agreed to do the threesome. He agreed to it, and then didn't like it. That's not cheating. No, he didn't. He didn't do the threesome. She did it with with two other people. And she and he said, "Okay, you want to open a relationship? There you go." What what, what part? No, of, no. I'm confused. He didn't agree. He didn't agree to this. Uh, he did not agree to an open relationship. Yes. You said she came to him and said, "I want an open relationship." That's what you said. But without, well, but without any sex or anything, he, she just said she wanted to remove the label or something. Okay. She told him she wants an open relationship. That means she's going to be with other people. So that's not traumatic. Well, tell me what, where else he was cheated on. And by the way, that's not cheating. It's an open relationship. Okay. So where else was he cheated on? Okay. Where else was he cheated on? Okay. An ex who slept with her ex-boyfriend. At what point in their relationship? Like a couple months in. They were their official for a couple Right, and that's very Mm -hmm. common, right? That's what typically happens. There's Mm -hmm. often some crossover. So also commonplace, not something that should be freaking him out. So for some reason, he's taking... Routine situations and throwing them in your face. Is he also controlling and aggressive? 
No. No, not controlling. Um, not definitely not aggressive. I think that he has tendencies to want to control my plans if I make plans with people. Yeah, this is and not. He wants to know about them. Well, knowing about them is one thing, but if he wants to control them. Is no, that... he doesn't really want to control them. I think he wants to know about them right when I make them. He wants to be in the loop on all of my comings and goings. Hmm. But I don't think he's controlling. All right. How long have you been with him? Three months. Okay. I, I think you're buying into something that is false. Uh, he has not been horribly traumatized by other women. He's been in the normal kind of goings and comings of relationships and the stresses that we all deal with. He, for some uh-huh. reason, is using that as a reason to be controlling with you because he likes you. And it's not okay for somebody just because okay. they love you to become controlling because soon it will be aggressive. That's what happens. What does he do, what does he do for a living? Um, he's a, he works in nonprofit. Mm. Just concerning. He, he, he may need a therapist or something himself because this, this is not this, – this tends to get worse with time, not better. Okay. So maybe a therapist for okay. him so he can sort of take this somewhere and realize that it's all nonsense and it's all in his own head and he can trust you appropriately and have a normal relationship with normal, okay. you know, sort of uh, uh, parameters. Uh, but mm-hmm. the fact that you are buying his BS right now, though, concerns me. Okay. He, he's not it's okay. For, it's not okay for him to be controlling. It's not okay for him to blame trivial, you know, usual relationship issues on the reason for that. So something else is afoot. And what was the family of origin like? Um, uh, pretty abusive, yeah. Okay, so here we go. So that that's what he's going to begin sort of directing towards you, unless we do something about that. Okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Good luck. Thank you. All right. That will do it, guys. We appreciate you being here and being a part of the conversation and listening and calling in. We appreciate all of it. Check out Adam and Dr. Drew. Don't forget that. And don't forget uh, This Life. Hashtag you live. Check out the the Swole Patrol, me and Mike Catherwood. And get on that contact list at drdrew.com and support everything we got there. We appreciate it. We also got the YouTube page and Facebook page. And we do Facebook Lives now occasionally. So look out for one of those. Uh, Those tend to be kind of interesting. And uh, that'll do it. We'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.